0: while you're uh, finding your little uh, outline in your folder this morning. Good to have Bessie here. Bless you. Good to have Dick Winters here. He's on a liquid diet and he's losing weight like crazy but you don't want to do it that way. And we have another birthday. Now I don't know I'm getting to really not believe that people are actually having this many birthdays in this little group. Kendra it's your birthday. OK, you ready? <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kendra. Happy birthday to you. How many years? Is it No, no, we're not. Gonna. <laughs> OK, are we ready for this? Uh, we are in 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 6. Now look, do not be upset with me for these uh, verses that are selected. These are selected by people beyond my control. (laughs) I am told what to speak on. Okay, so don't uh, don't get upset with me about this. I didn't pick these verses. All right. Just a little review. We started this last week. And last week we met John who spent more time with the Lord Jesus Christ on earth than any other person we know of. He was with him from the beginning to his death and he experienced something. And he wrote this little letter called 1 John in order to explain to people what it was he experienced and how they could experience it. So he's telling us this is how you can experience this. And in these opening verses he said what this provides for us is what he called joy overflowing. So he said, you want to have joy overflowing. This is how you do it. I saw it. I experienced it. And I want you to experience it. And he gave it a name. And that's the first word of a vocabulary list that we're going to develop throughout this letter. He called it fellowship. He had it had to do with this kind of personal, intimate experience with the living God through Jesus Christ. So John wants to tell us more about this thing called fellowship. Now, before we look at this passage today, I want you to uh, have a little reflection. Okay? Most of you know we live in a postmodern world. If you don't know what that means, then go read it on the Internet. But postmodern basically says nothing is absolute. That's why you can believe whatever you want to believe. That's why you can do whatever you want to do. Because no one can say anything is absolute. And that involves truth. Now I want to alter that a little bit. Truth is always absolute. Did you hear me? It's impossible for it not to be absolute. I remember when someone gave me a book to read called The Only Absolute Is That There Is No Absolute. But there is an absolute. Truth is an absolute. The problem is not with the truth. The problem is with us. The problem is the way we approach the truth. And sometimes we get it mixed up. Now don't feel bad about yourself because you get it mixed up. But just understand that as we go through this passage of Scripture. And in order for us to get into this today, I want to tell you about a little incident. Uh, I told you that uh, last week back in April, my wife and I were invited to go back over to Budapest, Hungary, where I pastored a church. And uh, while we were there, we dedicated or had a time of the 20th anniversary there. And uh, I had the opportunity to be in a number of people's homes. And in one of the homes we were in, there were some gladiolas present. And uh, my wife has a real connection with gladiolas. Her uncle actually grew gladiolas on a farm. And when she was a little girl, she was forced to go pick the gladiolas and then go to Atlantic City and sell them door to door. So, I mean, when you're talking about gladiolas, it really lights up for her. (laughs) Now, we happened to be in someone's home and there were some gladiolas there present on a table. And my wife admired them and the person in whose home we were gave us the gladiolas. Now we are visiting, staying in a hotel, but we're now equipped with a few gladiolas. So we take our gladiolas very similar to these gladiolas. Okay, We take our gladiolas back to our hotel room. Now there is a truth involved with gladiolas. You all know this truth. Gladiolas are cut flowers and cut flowers must be placed in water. That is a truth. Correct. You can't get around that truth. So we took our gladiolas back to our hotel room. We didn't have any vase to put them in. We didn't have any water to put them in. So we had them just sitting on the top of a dresser. And we stepped out for just a few minutes and we hung the little tag on the door that says, please make up my room. And so when we came back, the wonderful people who made up the room had been in the room and it was all made up. We were very happy to hear, see about that. And lo and behold, Someone on the staff that makes up rooms knew the truth and knew that you had to put cut flowers like gladiolas in water. Well, there was no vase in the room. So she had gone out and found a vase. And when we came back in the room, the gladiolas were appropriately in the vase with water. And we said, isn't that really sweet? Here is someone who knew the truth. And she applied the truth and she put our gladiolas in water today. Except for one little problem she misunderstood something. These are the gladiolas that were in the room. So while we appreciated her putting these lovely artificial gladiolas in a vase of water, she misapplied the truth. She misunderstood and there's no reason for it. She picked them up. She must have known, well, but maybe she's never seen or handled gladiolas quite like this. They're pretty good replicas. So for some reason she took the truth that she knew but she misapplied her understanding of it. Now I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this passage of scripture. There are absolutes and we're going to see at least one. But it's easy for us to misunderstand the absolute. That's our problem, not the absolutes problem. OK, so let's look. There is a statement of truth that John begins this with First John, chapter one, verse five. This is what he said. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That is absolute. That's truth. God is light and there is no darkness in Him. Now it's not John who says that, it's others who say that throughout the scriptures. This is what John himself says in Revelation chapter 22. He says, and night will be no more in heaven. They will have no need of a lamp or of the sun, for the Lord God will be their light. God is light. Light. The Apostle Paul understood that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16. This is God who dwells, and I love this description, in unapproachable light. God is light, absolute light. This is a truth. But we look at this truth from our perspective. So how do you feel about Light. Well, we have a lot of different feelings about light. Sometimes we are drawn to light. Most of us don't like to be out in the darkness, so we carry a flashlight. We like light to show us the way. Light can be very frightening, the absence of it. We don't necessarily like to be in dark places where we can't see. But on the other hand, some light actually repels us. We've all grown up with a mother or a father or somebody who said, don't ever look at the sun. You'll go blind. Too much light. If you've ever had any eye work done when the eye doctor put that stupid thing in your eye, that bright light, and you go out of your mind in pain, take the light away. We even put lights outside our houses to chase burglars away. Got a light at the house. They won't come around. They're repelled by it, we think. God is light. That's a truth. But what does that mean to us? Now, light is, and I wrote this down, the electromagnetic radiation and a basic ingredient of the universe. Oh, thank you very much. Well, John didn't know that. I didn't know it either. I don't really care. What was the light of God to John? Well, first of all, it's the total absence of darkness. And secondly, it's a brilliance. It's like the sun. That's the brightest, most brilliant thing he can experience. Some say it represents perfection or holiness. Okay, so we have some truth that God is light and we have a way that we bring our knowledge and our experiences to that truth. Now John is going to explain to us what God is light has to do with fellowship. Are you all ready? You all with me with this? this? is pretty simple. OK. Chapter one, verse six. If we say we have fellowship, there's that word, this idea of intimate expression with God through Jesus. If we say we have fellowship with Him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 1 7 if we walk in the light ah if we walk in the light whatever that means as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another fellowship is based on walking in the light of God the absolute truth that God is light whatever that means to us However, that intersects our application of truth. If we walk in the light, then we have fellowship. Our joy is overflowing. What does that mean to walk in the light? Because now we have another vocabulary word. We got fellowship and we have light walking. What does it mean to walk in the light? Now, I know this is a really bizarre idea, but as I was reading this, I thought, you know what this is like? It's like walking around, and it doesn't mean walk, put one foot in another. It means this is who you are. This is how you express yourself. This is how you live. This is you. So it's like putting on a pair of pajamas and wearing pajamas all the time. Wear your pajamas to work. Wear your pajamas to school. Some kids do, anyway; they wear them to school. Just wear your pajamas. I love this picture of a couple of Koreans walking around in pajamas. And somehow that hit me. That's like walking in the light. You're going to look weird. People are going to say, why are you walking around in your pajamas? No, I'm walking in the light. I'm putting on the light of God. I'm in fellowship with God, walking in his light. Interesting concept. Keep that one in your mind about wearing your pajamas. This is about choosing every moment, moment by moment, to run to the light and let that describe who you are. No darkness. God is absolute light. The question is, how do I apply all of that? That's where I get into the gladiola problem a little bit. John immediately wants to discuss with us fellowship and failures. It seemed kind of strange to me that after he says this is so good I'm going to have overflowing joy. This is how you fellowship with God by walking in the light and oh by the way we need to talk about your failures. So here's what he says in verse 7. The blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Another vocabulary word, but this one we all know. This word doesn't mean do bad things. This word means miss the mark, like shooting an arrow and missing the target. This is what happens when we miss the target of fellowship. When we miss the target of walking in the light, we sin then we're in the darkness. Okay, This is what he says in verse eight. Don't sweat it. You will sin. I'm glad he told me that. If we say we have no sin, well, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You got this so far? I want you to have fellowship with God. This moment experience with God in your life. I want you to walk around like you're dressed that way. Seek the light. And oh, by the way, when you don't do it, you'll be sinning. You'll be missing the target. When you miss the target, verse 9, if we confess our sins, the word confess means agree with God about If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm to seek the light and walk in the light. And when I don't do it, I miss the target. I sin. And when I sin, what do I do? I just agree with God and I say, you know what, God? I'm out of the light. And God said, yeah, I know. And God forgives us. We have a problem with that because we don't forgive people so readily. That's a little tough for us. You mean when I miss the mark of walking in the light with God, all I need to do is come and say, you know what, God, I've missed the mark and God says, I know, I forgive you. It's okay. This is Thank You Jesus time. Chapter two, verse one. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not miss the mark. But if anyone does miss the mark, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Verse two, new vocabulary. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. I love that word, propitiation. Use that in everyday language. You try that one out tomorrow at work propitiation. What, what is that? Well, it has to do with the place of sacrifice. It has to do with almost like an Old Testament word where a sacrifice is made, where a debt is paid. So I try to come up with an illustration for this. I know none of you would do this, but let's just suppose you got into a debt of over 50,000 dollars. Would that be high enough to pretty well put everybody out of the picture here? Okay. I don't know how I got into this, but I am in debt, $50,000 and I can't pay it. So the people who gave you the money in the first place want their money back. And so come to the table and you sit down at the table and there is your $50,000 debt. And the people sitting across the table, whether they're the banker or whoever, they say, give us the money, you owe us the money and you can't pay the debt. And some guy walks in the room and plunks down $50,000 and says, I'll pay the debt. He is the propitiation. He took care of it. Imagine that. John says, imagine that. It's a thank you Jesus note. You can't pay it. Jesus paid it. So accept it. He paid the price for us missing the mark day after day or as many times as we miss it. It's finished. It's done. Just agree with God that you missed the mark and get back in fellowship with Him. In this kind of joint participation with God in your life, and say, "Thank you, Jesus." I right, can put all this together again. It's pretty simple. To fellowship with God is to walk in the light. To fellowship with God is to experience God at every moment in my life. We walk around like we have pajamas on. It's a part of us, and we don't always do it. And when we don't do it, we miss the mark. And when we do miss the mark, we just come and say, you know what, God, I missed it again, I sinned, and Jesus, we need to understand, is the propitiation for all of that. He covers it all. It's all said and done. It's thank you, Jesus. Now, would you think about that for a while? Because Most of us don't go through that way. As a matter of fact, for some reason, we have grown up with a whole system of grades. I don't care if you go to school, they give you grades. I don't care if you get on a team, they grade you. I don't care what you do in life, you get graded. I, I got to tell you, I mean, there are some things that I, I don't know anything about, you know, and one of them is diving. Did you, did you ever watch Olympic divers? These guys get up on top of this diving board, and they dive off this diving board, and, and I look at them, and they, and they all look exactly the same to me, and when they get done, there's a little splash, and then somebody goes, Well, what made that a nine? I don't know, but we've got to give him a grade. You understand what I mean? We love to give grades. So John, you don't know how we are about this. We're a mess with this. So why would you say what you say next? Because these are the guidelines in Jesus. Now remember the gladiolas first he says there are some commandments. Now this is another one of those vocabulary words, but we're not going to look at it because I've already finished the letter and so I know how this ends and we're going to look at this later, like not today, later. But this is what he says, 1 John 2, 3, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 4, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. John, I wish you wouldn't have brought that up. See, that's really bad for us. Because the next thing I know, we're going to go around looking at all the commandments that Jesus made, and, and he made lots of them. And we're going to say, you know, Crooch? War on Commandments. (laughs) Now it's amazing to me that in this passage he doesn't write down any of the commandments. He doesn't say, oh, here are the 145 commandments of Jesus. He just ignores it. He just says, you know, it would be a good idea to keep the commandments of Jesus. Well, that would be a good idea but it doesn't mean that I'm going to give you a list and you go grade each other on it. I told you this story before, but my favorite story. My mother had only one commandment for me as a kid growing up. I was an only child, I never gave her a moment's trouble. <laughs> and this is the only thing she ever told me. We lived in Philadelphia, Yeah. And we lived in a little suburban area called Mayfair. And the main street in Mayfair was a street called Frankfurt Avenue. That's where all the stores were. That's where everybody went if you wanted to go to a diner or wanted to buy something. Frankford Avenue. My mother's only commandment to her only son, Ronald, don't do anything if you wouldn't do it in the middle of Frankfurt Avenue. I, I, had to, I had to interpret that. She never made me a list. I don't think she needed to make me a list. I got it. I pretty well knew what that meant. John says, I want you to live in fellowship with God through Jesus. And know if you mess up, He forgives you. It's already taken care of. Isn't this fabulous? Thank you, Jesus. And by the way, there's lots of commandments. And he says, there are also instructions. Verse 5, whoever keeps his word, the things that Jesus said... In Him truly the love of God is perfected, and by this we may know that we are in Him. Look, Jesus spoke wisdom. Jesus spoke guidance. Jesus spoke all kinds of things to help us make right choices, but none of them are listed here. Just walk in the light I understand that Jesus is the propitiation when you mess up walking in the light. And then he even gives us one more to make it even worse. There's always the example of Jesus. You know, if you can't find any commandments, if you can't find any words, then let's just go to the examples. Verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that he walked. Oh my word. Well, he didn't mimic the culture. He loved cared about what was going on in others' lives, not so much interested in his own life. But Man, I can start grading everybody on that one. everybody messes up there. There are no systems here for us to grade. This is not about what grade we get in doing this. Nothing wrong with understanding the example of Jesus. Nothing wrong with understanding the words of Jesus. Nothing wrong with understanding the commandments of Jesus. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not grading on this. You're not going to get graded on this. This is about fellowshipping with God. Moment by moment, every day of my life, fellowshipping with God in this infamous, intimate relationship with Him. Having said all that, there is an afterthought. Okay, I almost hate to do this. See, The gladiola story comes in here. Big time. We got what this is all about. If you want a fellowship with God, just walk in the light. But then you come across other parts in the scripture. You know, there's another guy that I mentioned to you last week that has written a little bit more than John wrote in the gospel and Revelation and first, second and third John. And his name was Paul. Paul was not a disciple of Jesus. He came after the fact, but he wrote a lot. Now, these two people, Paul and John, had different ministries They both lived to be very old. As a matter of fact, they must have been on the earth about the same time for some part of their life. John is in his 80s, 85, maybe 90 when he writes. Paul was old. We don't know if he was that old, but was old when he writes as well. And Paul, he took this message to the Gentiles. That's people like you and me. And John, you know, he didn't really care too much about going to the Gentiles with this message. He took this message to Jews. So they said things a little differently. But were they talking about the same thing? Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians 5.16. And think about the gladiolus. I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Oh, yeah, that's something different now. That's not the same as walk in the light. This is walk by the Spirit. And that's not the same. It says you won't do the desires of the flesh and The other one says you're going to fellowship. These are not the same things. Or are they? Isn't this the same truth? That God is this perfection of light and we are called to enjoy his presence moment by moment. I got to tell you this, that the older I get, the less concerned I get about all the little details of what appears to be the same great truth. As a matter of fact, when I was in high school, I had a real problem with biology. I remember in high school, they gave me a worm, and it was living. And they told me to slice up this worm and look inside of this worm. I... I, I could not stand dissecting that worm. And then they gave me a frog, and it was alive. And they told me to cut that frog open, take its heart out. I said, I said, oh, I don't want to dissect this frog. Do anything but not do this. So when I went to college, I made sure I didn't take any biology. <laughs> I settled for Geology. They're rocks, they don't bother you at all. <laughs> but then I changed my major, and as a senior, they caught me and they said, Oh, you haven't taken freshman biology. <laughs> yeah, right. So you're going to have to take freshman biology your senior year. Okay. And they gave me a fetal pig. It did. A fetal pig. They gave one to everybody. And we kept it at home in the laundry tub. And we had to cut it all up and dissect it. I thought I would throw up. Every day I looked at that fetal pig and had to cut away something else. hear this the right way. There's a lot of dissecting that goes on in the theological laboratory of dissecting. And there's a lot of stuff, I I usually call it nit. I said, to cut this over and cut this up. Give him a grade for that. Cut this up. Give him a grade for this that. This is so simple, folks. This is what a man named John experienced walking with Jesus Christ. He said, this is so fantastic. i never seen anything like this. I've never had this experience before. I'm experiencing the presence of God in my life. It's like I put on pajamas. And I'm walking around in these pajamas called the... The light. And I'm telling you and pleading with you, walk in the light. And when you mess up, when you sin and you miss the mark of the light, it's okay because Jesus is the propitiation and he paid the price. You're out of debt. Just agree with God and go back to the light and walk in that light of Jesus with the living God. That sounds pretty good to me. That sounds pretty good to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it is so easy for us to misunderstand what is absolute truth. Help us to know the truth. And then help us to be able to think through it. There are some things we don't know about, just like that poor woman didn't know about artificial flowers. There are some things we just don't understand yet. But Lord God, what a marvelous experience you invite us to have with you. This is not about how good my life is not about how successful I ever become or how much money I make or who my friends are or anything else. This is about the delight of overflowing joy day by day, moment by moment, as we seek to be in the presence of a living God through Christ Jesus who made it all possible. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying the price for my sin of missing the mark all through this experience in humanity. Thank you, Father, for making yourself available to practice your presence day by day. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.